And welcome to another very special Feedback Hub for today. My guest for this episode is a military historian, military alternate historian, part of the military generally as well, and been described as a rising star of the alternate history genre. Kevin Eikenbury is with me now. Hello. Hi, Ben. How are you today? I'm not too bad. More importantly, how are you? doing very well thank you well tell us about how you got started in alternate history first of all how did you stumble across this wonderful enriching and yet uh, fairly obscure genre i would say that prior to about 2014 alternate history was not something that was even on my radar ah. uh, i was starting as a writer and beginning to develop into a couple of different military science fiction and science fiction thriller uh, novels Mm. And I, as a young writer, you tend to write down ideas. And one of the ideas that I had, had was about alternate history. It was what would happen if the coin that George Washington repeatedly threw across the Delaware River mm. prior to the Battle of Trenton was actually a bicentennial quarter. And I kind of filed that away and did nothing with it for quite some time. And then mm. in February of 2014, I had the opportunity to have dinner with Eric Flint. And we had a great dinner, talked about a lot of things, but at the end of the dinner, I finally worked up the courage to ask Eric, and I just said, hey, I've got this idea I'd really like to explore one day, mm. and I don't know what it is. I don't know how I what it is to write this. It's alternate history, and I don't know what to do. He basically said, what's the idea? And I told him, and his eyes lit up, and he invited me to lunch the next day, and we started talking about how I could go about writing history. The next several years were, were kind of crazy because I had an illness which uh, nearly killed me. Eric had a bout with cancer. So we finally were able to pull this together in 2016, 2017, when I actually was able to go through and deliver the first draft of the manuscript. So it was a long road to get there, but it was something that I had never intended to even explore writing. So having the opportunity do it was was really pretty cool you say you sort of didn't really know about alternate history before you explored this did you come across the idea or wonder what might have happened if things are played out differently without knowing that it existed as a genre in its own right if that makes sense i was familiar with the alternate history genre it was just never something that i had gotten into as a former military officer i did a lot of study of history over the course of my career there were always times when you play the what-if game, if you will. And I knew that alternate history kind of fell in that way of thinking. But it was never, again, something that I thought was a personal interest of mine until it just kind of jumped up and hit me in the face. You say that you've been a writer for quite some time, uh, more generally speaking. Tell us about that. I'm actually one of those people that I, I wouldn't tell you that I knew at the very young age that I was going to be a writer. Uh, I was told in high school and college programs that I was a good writer, but I did nothing with those. Fast forward to about 2009, I was at work one day and I had an idea for a character and I just started writing down some notes and I recognized that what I was writing was not just a story, it was probably going to be a book. Mm. And I had no idea how to write a book. I had been a minor in English during my college years. So I went back and took a college class on creative writing again. And the instructor asked me why I wasn't published. And that kind of started the road to publication. I started writing short stories. I started working on a first novel. It did eventually sell, but it was not the first novel that I sold. Were you still a military officer at that time? Are you still working in the military? 
At that time I was, yes. I was actually teaching ROTC, the Reserve Officers Training Corps, which is a college class where college students can learn about the different services and then potentially pursue a commission in them. So I was doing that at the at the time when I actually started writing. So that kind of feeds back to where the, the crossing is because it actually does focus on cadets from that time frame mm. being pulled through time to just before the Battle of Trenton. Excellent. Well, let's talk about the crossing because, as you sort of alluded to earlier on, the crossing has got many different meanings in the book generally, I suppose, from time travel to actual travel, of course. Explain more about that. The idea was to focus originally just on the Battle of Trenton. And then you talk about the cadets and their time travel and the different things that they have to do. And all of them are essentially pursuing a journey of their own. Mm. And we get a chance to, to see a little bit of that with the cadets in this particular book. I hope to continue this as a running series. So it was kind of the idea of introducing the characters and what they wanted and starting them on this journey. Mm. And then, of course, the idea of what they're going to be doing will be changing the course of American history and even mm. world history, potentially. Yeah. So it was fun to be able to explore that. And as you said, the, the crossing, it really did kind of take on multiple meanings as we went through the course of developing this manuscript and bringing the story to life. I do wonder, is it actually based on any cadets that you sort of came into contact with in the military at around about that time? Most of the characters that I write are amalgamations of people that I've known. And in this particular case, yeah, all, all of the cadets are amalgamations of either cadets that I had the opportunity to teach or folks that I served with or just folks that I've known in the course of my life. So mm. it was kind of fun to be able to, to pull that together and, and then again frame them in the mind of those cadets because my opportunity to teach at that time frame really helped me be able to get into the mindset of what the kids would be going through and mm. then having them obviously in a almost unbelievable situation and how they would recover and do what they do. I think that the main thing that I wanted to explore was the the impact of the characters. I'm a firm believer that good fiction requires good characters. It's not yep. necessarily about your plot or your outline, if you will. Yeah. It's about the characters and the emotional connection that you, the reader, have to them. Sure. And you do that through the exploration of goals. You do that through the exploration of personal and interpersonal conflict. And that's really where I wanted to focus. The idea of, of putting them into an alternate history and the, the milieu, if you will, that was kind of secondary to what I wanted to tell because I really felt like this is a character-driven story. Yeah. And so the impact of the characters and what they do and how they would respond to different situations would set them up to do things very differently according to how things were done in the late 18th century. So that's where I focused with that was not necessarily on the incidents, if you will, but on yeah, sure. exploring the, the characters' interactions and seeing where things would go from there. Tell us a little bit more about who the characters were. You're basically dealing with eight cadets that are pulled over as part of the, the event. Actually, there's nine at the beginning, but one of them is killed fairly early on. Yeah. Um, and they're a very diverse group of young men and women. You know, there are some African-Americans, there are a couple of women, yeah. and they come from different backgrounds. They have different experiences. In college, they have different majors. So ROTC, in a, in a sense, is kind of a melting pot, if you will, of society. They're all pulled together because they have this desire to learn more about the military and potentially serve in it. And a couple of them don't necessarily want to be there because they're being pushed because their parents were poor or former military. So it's kind of a microcosm of, of society in a way. Yeah. Uh, you have just a, a lot of different backgrounds and, and experiences that come together. It kind of brings everybody together, if you will. Yeah. And so it was fun to, to be able to, 
talk about the kids in that respect. And then, of course, when they are coming through into the downtime, if you will, they have a couple of interactions with a gunsmith and his daughter that kind of becomes their home base of operations for a short period of time. Mm. And then, of course, you deal with all the players that are actually in northern New Jersey at that time frame. You're dealing with the Hessians and their commander, Johann Roll, and you're dealing with George Washington and his army that are mm. across the river in, up in Pennsylvania and trying to figure out what they're going to be doing next. And so the time frame just before the Battle of Trenton in late November, early December 1776 is tumultuous for them. Mm. They're trying to figure out a lot of things. The, the army is getting ready to lose most of their, or not most, but a good number of their contracts, if you will, are going to be coming to an end. And those enlistments, as they are starting to end, is something that weighs on Washington's mind. And then how does he recover from the loss of New York? How does he figure out what to do next? And there's just, it's a lot of, of uh, tumultuous times for them to explore. So being able to, to have cadets who understand what happens Mm. Being in that in that time frame is certainly helpful, but at the same time, they have lost a modern weapon to the enemy, which they fear could spark a serious change in world history, and that was their catalyst to report into Washington and do what needs to be done. It was interesting to be able to explore all of those different aspects of the time frame with cadets that have a modern knowledge and a modern sensibility. It was really challenging, but it was fun mm. to do. Yeah. I was struck with the comparisons between the two militaries separated by 230 years. I found that quite uh, quite interesting, the juxtaposition. How hard did you work on that specifically? I would tell you in a word it was difficult, but at the same time it was fairly easy. You're dealing with two very different time frames. And again, mm. by just focusing on the characters and talking about how the modern characters will be focused on things like the, the warrior ethos that's talked about in the book mm. and how they never leave a fallen comrade and they'll never quit. It's more of a personal discovery for them. And being able to kind of focus that and then, like you said, juxtapose it against the, the typical colonial enlistment and the poor conditions. It was very different, but it was it was fun to do because you have the opportunity to really explore and describe what's life like in a more modern military and then you know, have the argument of how things were before and now you look at where potentially we could go with follow-on stories is how that modern sense of, of warfare could actually change what is done in that uh, late 18th century time frame. So it was difficult, but it was also pretty satisfying to do. Well, tell us a bit more about the fact that you're thinking of developing this into a sort of series of books. Tell us about more about what to expect in the future. I'm hopeful that the reception to the book is large enough and positive enough that I'll get the, the green light to go ahead and go on with the sequel because I believe that there's a lot of things that could be done looking forward into just the, like the next year of history and to 1778 was pretty pivotal as far as the arrival of the French into the conflict as an ally and how things were changing on a, on a more global scale. Mm. So I think it would be interesting to explore some of that. And I think that there's certainly an opportunity to move forward in how this group of cadets could affect the early part of American history. So I would love to continue it. It's going to be more up to the, the readers and their reception, if you will. Well, the crossing will go global in that case. Uh, do you have any plans to bring in perhaps cadets from other countries as well from the mid to late 2000s to contextualize it even more 
At this point, probably not. There's some discussions that we need to make, obviously, with the passing of Eric Flint of, of different things yeah. that we want to do with the Ring of Fire and the Idea City Shards and some series, if you will. I'm sure that after we have some discussions with that, we'll have a little bit more guideline on, on different things that we were going to look at doing. But right now, no, I'm not going to look at bringing in any other cadets. I think that what I would try to look at would be something along the lines of the folks that are in the more modern timeline and trying to figure out if they could either resupply the cadets or get them information or something. So I don't know if that's going to be something that we're going to be able to do, though. It just kind of depends on how those discussions play out. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us today. Let's just uh, plug the book one more time. In fact, if you want to say as much as you want to about it in about 60 seconds or under, that will be amazing. Tell everyone where they can buy it and why people should buy it, perhaps, in the uh, run-up to Thanksgiving, Christmas, and everything that comes with it in the next four months or so. So for any <laughs> alternate history fans or whatever plug it basically so this is a story of a group of cadets from 2008 who are pulled back in time to just before the Battle of Trenton. Immediately on their arrival, they're jumped by a Hessian patrol. They take casualties and they lose a modern M16 rifle to the enemy. This becomes their catalyst to report to George Washington and change the course of American history. It's a very character-driven novel. It's fast-paced. Most of the comments I've had from readers at this point have been that they've been able to finish it in a day. Mm. And they have thoroughly enjoyed the, both the pace and the, the accuracy of the history plus us, again, how the characters interact and the possibilities that are raised with a group of cadets from a, a more modern sensibility going back to the 18th century and affecting not only the outcome of that war, but potentially with global implications as far as how they could look at things. I can tell you that I finished it in about four or five hours. I'm a fairly slow reader as well, so there you have it. So that's all good. Kevin, many thanks for joining us today. I hope that you can come back in the future when you've got an alternate history creation in the pipeline, perhaps when the next series of The Crossing is going to be published. Keep us posted, basically. Absolutely, I will. And I would love to come back again. Thank you very much for having me today.